are selected verses from Joshua 3 and 4 in honor of God's word. And went to the Jordan where they camped before crossing over. Joshua told the Lord will do amazing things among you. So when the people broke camp to cross the Jordan. Now the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Yet as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the top flowing, it piled up in a heap a great distance stopped in the middle of the Jordan and stood on dry ground while all Israel passed by. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, choose 12 men of stones from the middle of the Jordan from right where the priests are standing and carry them over with you and put them down at the place where you stayed tonight. So the Israelites did as Joshua commanded them law to come up from the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests come up out of the Jordan. No sooner had they set their feet on the dry ground than the waters of the Jordan returned to their place. The first month, the people went up from the Jordan and camped at Gigal, Gal, the 12 stones that they had taken out of the Jordan. He said to the Israelites, in the few stones mean, tell them, Israel crossed the Jordan on dry ground. Lord your God did to the Jordan what he had done to the Red Sea when he dried it up before us, might know that the hand of the Lord is powerful, and so that you might always... Okay, so we have, here we are at the Opera House. Uh, Opera House. Uh, we had a two-year break in there because of uh, because of COVID. Uh, every other time we've done it, it's been in the summer, uh, and this year it is uh, obviously uh, here in 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 the month of May. Um, but we're thrilled to do it to celebrate a century of of ministry. You know, it's kind of a hundred years. It's kind of a kind of a crazy dinner. I, I just shared really briefly that as you read through the Bible, what what you see God do multiple times is institute calls his people to do them and to do them regularly and to like keep doing them. Uh, why? Like, wh- why did God do that? And it appears that so they would remember and that they would not forget. You know, why, why do we need things like feasts and, and forget? But we do forget. We, we will forget. And so and one of God's strategies was to put in front of his people to where they, they, were, they were in a sense forced to relive the story, forced to remind them and, and in them. And so uh, we're here today, and, and we're going to Joshua 3 uh, through Joshua 5. A uh, little funny story about this text. So, well, here, here's the funny story. A couple weeks ago when we were planning this service, I'm like, okay, I'm going to preach. I'm like, you know, I think I should probably preach Joshua 4, 1 through 24. Like, the, I think the scripture reading really should probably be selected verses from chapter 3 and chapter 4. And then by the time we printed the bulletin, I'm like, it really needs to be chapters three through five. So uh, it's expanded. And then I am not wearing a watch out nicely. <laughs> the expansion might just keep happening. <clears throat> um, no, but we are, we are going to turn to this text. It's packed full of, of so much goodness. And so we're the idea and then the way forward. So first, the situation. Um, but if you get to chapter four, verse one, it says... When all the people had finished, praise about, when all the people had finished passing over the Jordan. Now that for you, it might be a flyover. It might be something that it's like, it's easy to miss. When all the people had finished passing over the Jordan. What's it all about? Well, here, here's a little re- people. All the people, that, that is the, the people of Israel. They, they, they start being referred to as a nation, the nation of Israel. But this is a people group that we often refer to of the nation of Israel. You'd go back to someone named Abraham. And, and you read about Abraham and, and the, comes and taps Abraham on the shoulder. I'm going to make a nation. I'm, I'm picking you. And I'm going to, uh, from you, I'm going to make a nation. And at that point in time, Abraham and his wife Sarah had had no children. 
And yet God child, let alone many nations. But God says, you got to believe me on this. And I'm, I'm going to, uh, he says, I'm going to make your, you into this, this, this people. Uh, he says, you're going to be a light to the nations, a space that I want you to have. If you fast forward through the story up in Egypt in slavery, and uh, they are there and they are basically uh, labor for, for the Egyptian people. And God, again, uh, there's a Bible, is titled Exodus because it tells the story of the Exodus. And it involves God tapping on the shoulder, use you. You're, you're the one I'm picking. And I want you to go to at some level. And he went back to Egypt and he was God's spokesman along with his actions and words to set his people free. And it's called the Exodus. And it becomes throughout the creation of rescue, of redemption, that the people of Israel were stuck in slavery and they needed out of their slavery. They end up uh, getting out of, out of uh, Egypt, and they end up in the wilderness. And they have a, a point of rebellion against God when they are actually looking at the city, and God's called them to take the city, but they're scared. And uh, there's a, a passage, and they didn't, they didn't obey God, and they backed away from, from taking that city years in, in the wilderness. Uh, then there was a leadership change. Maybe as many as two million people wandering in the wilderness. And just as they finally get, God says to Moses, like, your, your, your time is up. Uh, you don't get to lead the people. And um, in you, the last chapter of Deuteronomy is Moses dying and new leadership. So you get these, the, these, these first couple chapters that, that give us some. So the, God taps on Abraham, grows this, this people, or begins to grow this people. They end up, but then they get stuck in the wilderness for 40 years, and they're a huge group of people wandering in the desert, promised land. They get a new leader, and now it's like, it's a new day. It's a new chapter right up here to chapters 3, 4, and 5 of, of Joshua. So it, it's been a very long road, and it's still, if you know the story of the nation of Israel, they have a long road in front of them as they just passed over the Jordan. That means they've moved into the territory that God promised Abraham, storyline of the Bible. Before we move any further into the story, though, three and four, it's the Ark of the Covenant. And if you were to read chapters three and four, you would directly or indirectly, 20 times in two chapters, uh, the, the author in it. You might say, why? Why, why, did, why is the Ark of the Covenant so central? Well, the Ark of the Covenant represents a relatively small box uh, some scholars indicate that it was three feet by nine inches, three feet. So a relatively small box. It was coated in gold, uh, but it had a pretty amazing lid. Outstretched, and they kind of reached towards the middle. And this indication as well. But that space in between the cherubim was known. And so as the nation of Israel moved around and they carried this Ark of the Covenant with them, this Ark functions with them. And if you check chapter 3, verse 13, you find out that as they move across the Jordan River, the Ark of the Covenant's in front of them. And, and, and the picture here is a box, and it has this incredible lid, but underneath the lid, in the box, there's a handful of components in that box. And it, these, these contents were meant to function as a character. And if we were to walk through all the contents of that Ark, you'd find out that those contents are power. So if you read through the Old Testament and you see what happens when the people of God, like, honestly, some of it's a little hard to believe. It's like the power of God is on display when the ark is to his holiness. Because in the box held the, the of God's standards, the holiness of God on display, this, this, this declaration of what is good, God's 
good way of this life set apart. This box also pointed to his, his justice. Because, think about it. And then there's this lid, and then there's the cherubim, and there's the presence of God. God knows the whole situation here. God knows what the laws were, and he knows how terrible we've been at following those laws. And so the very ark itself, which contained the laws of God, that the people had not obeyed the very laws and that the presence of God is right there. God is well aware, rejected his good way, that they have failed to keep their end. And it reveals, and then fourth and thankfully, God's mercy. You know, the lid of, and it was a literal physical surface in between the presence of God of the box. And once a year on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would take the blood of an animal. And it symbolized this need to cover the failures of... Like, there could be a sacrifice that could substitute for my errors? Like, I don't... You see, it's the first hint of what God's going to do in Christ. Animals were a picture, and yet God was going to come up with this solution in his son Christ. Where Christ, who would substitute himself in my place and in your place... And so as they carried God, the ark laid all of these things before God. And as the author in these chapters writes the story, he doesn't want you and I to miss that the ark was right there, right there among them, right there, new chapter. Well, as they cross the river, there's an idea. The idea is a memorial. And as you heard read, uh, he says, I want you to pick up 12 tribe of the nation of Israel. And don't miss this. When they cross the river, everyone, every one of God's people makes it across safety and had finished passing over the Jordan. Now, you might want to say crossing a river. Well, you know, you might say that about a creek or a crick. Some of you say crick. Um, and this is the Jordan River. And the Jordan River, it says that, this, that the river is at flood stage, meaning nobody can get across this. When they go to step in the water, it, it recedes. The water, the water stops of water, and it gives the location of where the water was stopped. And they actually, so not only is this a stunner that they got across the river without, any, without losing anybody, but then it's a stunner that there's a wall of water somewhere, and nobody gets wet at all. All kinds of other reasons for why they got across the river. They went up and built a dam, or you, know, what, you come up with all these other solutions. In, in the way that, that God wants us to recognize the nature of He's the one who provided the crossing. He's the one who got every one of his people across the river. I want them to forget. This is quite reminiscent of another time that the Nicodemus and Israel being in slavery in Egypt and being rescued out of that. Well, you might know the story. Up stuck uh, between Pharaoh's army coming at them and a body of water, and they have danger behind them, an army, and they feel stuck. And God displays his incredible power. Walk across the bed of that sea on dry ground. Make it across safely. It's often been impressed upon me, these, these waterbeds, these riverbeds, these seabeds. And I'm sure that not everybody crossed those beds in the same attitude. What if this water pours down on us and kills us? Other people probably walked across there thinking their God was the most awesome thing they'd ever seen. But that's not what the story's about. Every one of God's people makes it safely across. Now, full, full transparency in both the Red all roses. I mean, there's some, there's some tough stuff. After they cross the Red Sea in Joshua 3 and 4, and they fail. 
They, they, they are scared and they run back. Book of Joshua, you're going to see them trip and stumble a hundred times. So they're, they're God caring for his people. Every one of them. Now, this idea of being kind of a, uh, a happy-go-lucky story or, you know, and, and new churches. And now that I'm old, I can, I can say stuff like this. And, and Sandy and, and Paul and Mimsy can probably remember, and, and uh, John and up, and you're fearless, and you are, you know, you're ready to go. You're going to conquer the world. You're in for a few years, and and then life starts to happen. Adrenaline, and ignorance, and immaturity. You know, see, casting a vision is actually not that hard. L- living it out after all the adrenaline has gone, after that's worn off, after enough time passes where you, can't, you, you just can't hide. Man, when you're a new church or a new pastor, like when you're new to a church, they first show up, they're like, I've never been at a church like this. And I'm like, yeah, give it a couple months. You know, it, it, you, you, you'll, 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 that's when it gets real. And man, it is incredibly, is there is no one else to blame for the problems that we're facing. You know, it's not like I can be like, well, that pastor before. You have to own these things. And this is part of, of, of the history. This is part of, of, and you know, youth is so pretty, but it doesn't have self-awareness. Time brings. And our church has been around for 100 years. And one of the things that that should tell us is that the story here is so much bigger than any. Jesus is the hope of the world. Yeah, you know, I've only been around for 16% of the life of, of this church. And I know that she would agree with this. What, 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 what it points to is that God's work here and God's work in the world is, I mean, think about this. In the New Testament, there's someone named Paul who probably started more churches than any churches still exist. Not one. In two, none of his churches have made it. That's pretty sobering. We, we've made it up. But what was, what was true of Traverse City in 1921? Brothels and saloons? Was, was the bay full of, you know, litter and trash and pollution? Pastor Bauman, who saw a need for the gospel to be here, and he came up, and he started a little local church. And he started this little church here. And yeah, it's, been, it's just been this faithful gospel. Man, we have had a lot of exciting moments, and we're going to have more. We've had a lot of room. You know, so, so many stories. Exciting ones and heartbreaking ones. And there's glimpses. And we will introduce more people to Jesus. We've also failed and hurt. Again, we, like Israel, we've done a lot of complaining. We've made a lot of mistakes. We wanted to trust ourselves rather than trusting God. And we will probably. But here's the good news. God is the one who ultimately takes care of his. It wasn't Moses and it wasn't Joshua. It's, it's not in the river because God cares for his people. And he says, grab these 12 stones. I don't want you to have done for you. For us, our church is not the hope of the world. Hope of the world. We think it's the craziest thing in the whole world to talk about. Hope of the world. Don't forget it. Look at verse, uh, chapter 4, verses 20 through 24. And those 12 stones, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord ever. You know, that phrase, fear of the Lord, we talked about that a little bit recently. It, it has kind of humility and obedience. It be this, this reverence, this awe, 
this hum, you know, humility of heart, and this obedience, this recognition. Like it, it's a sense in which it's like, I don't make up my own right and wrong. I, I don't do that. I'm, I'm walking in his good way. It is God's faithfulness to us that matters most. So, uh, tragedy and trials, man, they swirled around the people of Israel. They swirl around us. Passes safely from this life to the next, to the kingdom. What about the way forward? Chapter 5. An important part of moving forward is it is go time for the nation of Israel. They have been on pause. If, if you caught what I would go, when they shrank back in fear and, ex, and experienced the judgment of God for now, and they've gotten across, like the river split, and they're over there. They're in the promise. It was originally theirs, taking it back. And man, you, couldn't you just imagine, like, full of energy? Full, uh, Joshua isn't a young buck, but he's younger than Moses. And it's like, let's go. Let's go do it. River crossing. They should press forward. Now's the time. Do it. Five, verse one, that their enemies are scared to death. Because you know what happened with their enemies? Just imagine this. They see two million people amassed on the other side of the Jordan. And they think, this is a, we got some time. And then like, blink, the, the water's gone. The ground is dry. It, it, wouldn't you be scared? If, if you were an inhabitant of that land? That's what chapter 5, verse 1 says. It says they were all scared in them because of the people of Israel. They saw what God did in these people, and they were scared to death. To do it now. Strike now. Attack. No. Look at what God has them do. On the cusp, he makes them build a memorial. But then in chapter 5, it's eyes. And circumcision was a mark of God's people. Obviously, it was, it was made or, or signified his, his people. And anyone who is that everyone else who had entered the wilderness had died. Until there had not been circumcised. That's their army. Their entire army. And God says, I want the entire army to have surgery. And it's a pretty painful surgery. Now listen, in Genesis 39... An entire people group is circumcision. And then all their soldiers are laid up and they come and wipe them out because they can't. People of Israel know that? That having the entire army circumcised is a pretty. Let's have the whole army have surgery that makes us incredibly marks his people. That's what sets his people apart. 10 through 12. Then he says, I want you to observe Passover, which takes, it's a meal. It's a celebration. It's a way in which they reflect back. So after they cross the river in this miraculous way, their enemies are scared. He says, build a memorial and observe these two things. Circumcision and sacraments. Ways in which we're invited to recognize. He calls for a pattern of waiting and remembrance. He's calling them to patience. He says, don't forget this. Don't miss this. You know, last night at the dinner, one of the things that I prayed, drag you off to yesterday or drag you off to tomorrow. All the fears or the anxieties about what's around the corner. Pay attention to what's going on right in front of you. And it's like God says, I want what I've done to bring you here. So God says, now let me close with this. The end of chapter 5. Verses 13. Four, God says, build a memorial. Okay. Have surgery. Okay. 
And uh, verse 13 has a, a, few, a few Hebrew words in it that give the indication that, that, that that's where he went to battle. And as he prepares for that, he looks up and he sees someone he does this. And he, he sees this individual. Joshua's in battle mode. Commander of the, of, the, of the army of Israel, what does he say to this warrior? Or are you on our enemy's side, our adversary's side? There's a lot of bad people. There's a lot of bad ideas. And we're the good team. Joshua's like, we're, we're the good team. Like, are you on our, on your, are you on our team? Angel of the Lord. So Joshua says to the angel of the Lord, whose side are you on? Looks back at Joshua, and his answer is no. I asked you either or. No is a non sequitur. You can't say no. Which side are you on? And the angel of the Lord's answer is none of the above. You know, the, the, the angel of the Lord, and this is a, a broader conversation. This is Jesus before Joshua. And Jesus is looking at Joshua, and this is or against anybody. People are for or against me. To be for me or against me. You're asking the right side am I on? Like, who's, are you on my side? That, that's what the angel of the Lord says. Joshua realizes it. When he realizes who he is, you know what Joshua does? He immediately responds, I don't command you, you command me. What do you want me to do? What, what do you want me to do? And this is so in line with all the other interactions with the God of heaven in the Old Testament. Fall flat. You know, Isaiah says, I'm a man of unclean lips. I shouldn't be talking. Joshua here, when he realizes who this is, he falls to the ground. He's like, yeah, you're right. What are we to do? Tell me what to do. See, the critical question, the crucial question is, am I on the Lord's side? Am I on his language every Sunday trying to, to, to relate this posture of God of open? All you need to do is come here. That's all you need to do. You, you need to come. That's the ultimate question. And the second Joshua realizes it, he falls to the ground. The people don't stay in pause forever. They don't have parties forever. They don't do Passover. They actually do take the land. They actually do honor God with their actions. They follow God, not for apathy or for laziness. But what it is saying is, in every sense of God's direction, and they're always in need of remembering his mighty works. You know, as we think about little Cap being eight days old or 50 years or 100 years, what, what, what does it hold? What will we, you know, we want him to know the mighty works that God's done in this church and, and among these people right here. We want him to know celebrating those stories. But far more importantly, in not just, not just helping people, but actually bringing their hearts from dead to alive. We want them to ask the question, am I with God's good way? Well, the, uh, there's been ups and downs over the faithfulness to us, the work that he's done. And I'm excited to enter year 101 with you as a church family. God, thank you for this text. We thank you for, uh, it's a lot. Three chapters is a lot. But man, what a powerful picture. Asking questions about what it looks like to obey you. And to pray that today we would remember your great works. Your works all the way back from Egypt to the splitting of the Red Sea, to the splitting of the Jordan, to the taking of the promised land, to the coming of Jesus, and the guarantee that any who come will be rescued. What a beautiful, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.